Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Tales from the Heart, a podcast from the Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy Association. It's Heart Month, so there's a lot going on. And today, my co-host is Dr. Marty Marin from Leahy and Burlington. But Burlington. Boston. It's basically Boston. It's, it's Boston-ish. Boston. So, Marty, we've been a little bit busy lately, haven't we? I would say so. By the way, good to see you. Good morning. Good morning. Great to see you, too. But I do have a new piece of bling for the office. This was the award that I got last night at BioNJ for the work of the HCMA over the past 27 plus years, 28 years this week, actually. Governor Murphy from the state of New Jersey gave us a shout out. He did not mention all of the award recipients in his speech, but he did mention me and the HCMA and the work that we've done. So I was kind of impressed that he took the time to learn about us. So yay us, we are getting the recognition that HCM deserves. I'm really happy about that. And it's heart month. We have been putting out content all month, sharing the stories of our amazing HCM warriors, remembering some of those who we've lost. It's just been an amazing couple of weeks of getting ready for this. And next week we head to the hill. We've got our little hill buttons here. They say, I support the big hearted and ask me about genetic heart disease. So we've also got our invitations ready to drop at all of the members' offices, but we will be inviting them on the 14th to participate on the 15th. So we have to play up the Valentine's Day thing. So they're getting the little conversation hearts from sweethearts with a little invitation right on the box, as well as a printed invitation as well. So we're going to have a little bit of fun with our invitations and we're going to do a lot of educating. Why is raising awareness about HCM so important? To start to kind of unpack that, I'd first say that that HCM in some patients associated with certain kinds of risks, right? Risk of rhythm problems that can come on out of the blue. That includes both kind of abnormal upper chamber rhythms like atrial fibrillation and of course, abnormal bottom chamber rhythms called ventricular arrhythmias. And both of those different types of arrhythmias are associated with kind of adverse consequences. They can come out out of the blue and and therefore unpredictable in some situations. And then, of course, HCM can be associated with symptoms, and particularly symptoms that overlap with other cardiac and even non-cardiac diseases. And and those symptoms can, you know, significantly impact the patient's quality of life. And so for, for those reasons, you know, symptoms and how patients feel and function that Raising awareness, you know, obviously about HCM kind of goes to the idea of increasing the the visibility and the understanding of the disease so that that kind of information hopefully can translate into better diagnosis, earlier treatment, and ultimately better outcomes for patients with this disease. I don't think we were seen very well. We were seen in a headline when a tragedy would occur. We weren't seen as everyday people trying to go to work and trying to raise our kids and trying to be normal. So I think the light is changing and shining on us a little bit brighter. And we have some of our pharma friends to thank for that because they're developing new therapies for us. They're partners now in in this adventure. And I think it's really important that we keep everybody focused in the right direction, that we really start to develop a very robust conversation between regulators, pharma, clinicians, patients, and make sure we are hitting the needs of the patients that are out there and we're not making it burdensome for them. Yeah, I think I think coming back to that point that you just said, I think this is a really good point just to kind of maybe expand on it for a second. I think you're right. Like for, for 
a, you know, a long, long time. I mean, we were under the surface. And one of the reasons, meaning in terms of just visibility and, and understanding, and part of the reason was that, you know, there's a number of reasons for that. One is that it's, you know, compared to other heart diseases, it's just generally relatively less common. But also more importantly, too, I think based on what you, and this is what you were just saying, is that most patients with ACM, they look, they look, they don't look sick, right? I mean, they don't look sick on the outside. And then, so the perception is that, that, that this isn't an important or bad situation or disease, when in reality, that has nothing to do with it. But that really has, that idea has really kind of, I think, been, been an obstacle to kind of increasing the awareness and visibility of the disease, because it hasn't been associated in that way with the kinds of bad outcomes or being sick like other heart diseases have or breast cancer or other conditions where there's so much more visibility in a way about those diseases in the general community. So I think that that, that means that we just have even more responsibility and, and more need really to kind of on our part, raise the bar for those reasons. One of the ways that we are going to be raising the bar in a whole different way is this hill visit. We will be joined by Jared Butler, NBA player and HCM patient, which is something that we didn't think was compatible 30 years ago. And now we have come up with better ways to risk stratify and figure out who's safe to play. And we want people to be safe to play. We're going to bring him to the hill and that shows one face of HCM. But then we're going to show some other faces of HCM. We have a family who lost a child due to delayed diagnosis. We have an 81 and three quarter year old woman who is currently a QVC model and she's doing a fabulous job out there living with her HCM all the way into her 80s. And we're going to show the full spectrum of disease. The critical part about identifying those with HCM is it's typically not just one person in a family. We have multiple family members. And our New Jersey legislation that we passed a number of years ago, the right family has come forward to us. And it is a young man who was identified through the screenings that we require in New Jersey. His murmur was detected as benign up front by one doctor, another doctor who took some more recent training, including the ones we helped to develop. They said, no, I don't like the sound of that murmur. Referred them down to Morristown, to our friends. And he's been diagnosed. He'll be getting his treatment later this month, which is in a plantable defibrillator. And we were able to identify dad. And now we're opening up the entire family to look for what's happening. That's the key. If you find one in a family, you can open it up and find more and protect those families. I think as a, a tagline, and I've kind of defined this over the past couple of months, years, whatever, we just want to keep families whole. To keep families whole, we have to identify those who have HCM, and get them the right treatments. So we're going to the Hill. We're gonna talk about adding some questions to the welcome to Medicare examination, which is actually a visit, not an examination. But if we start talking, conversations, which is kind of why we went with the conversation hearts for our invitation. We wanna facilitate conversation between physician and patient about heart health and heart health history. And I think we're gonna be able to uncover a lot of low-lying fruit, people who've had symptoms, people who have risk, but they didn't quite figure out what that was yet. I wanna put you on the spot here for a second and maybe be a little provocative, but 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 I think in terms of raising awareness, I think this fits into the, the conversation potentially. And that's that I was struck recently 
when I was sitting on a Sunday in, in front of my TV. And I think it was during one of the NFL football playoff games. I saw something I'd never thought I would ever have seen, you know, in the last 25 years, I would never have imagined that in the midst of an NFL football game, I would see a commercial for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, um, which I believe based on what I understand, because I get a lot of texts from people saying <laughs> that they've seen that same commercial now, even during the Grammys, different primetime events, et cetera, it's getting a lot of visibility out there. Wanted to, uh, to sort of talk about that for a minute, because I think that's people are seeing that. And, you know, I think it's really important that we've got new industry partners. How do you look, though, at that kind of platform in terms of raising awareness? Do you view that as, as effective as, as, as you'd hope it would be, maybe? Or do you think that, that, that there's different ways of, of going about it rather than direct marketing through national advertisement? about the disease. I have very mixed feelings about direct-to-consumer advertising. I have found this series, so there's three different campaigns going on. There's Real Talk HCM, there's Could It Be HCM, and then there is the branded Camzios commercial. So there are three different commercials that are floating around and they'll hit different markets at different times around the country. And not every commercial that you see on the East Coast is what they're seeing elsewhere in the country. You buy it by markets. It has increased volume to our website. It has increased membership of the HCMA. The commercials uh, have, you mean? The, or? Commercial, the commercials have, because we're, we're actually on the landing page for all of the educational materials. So by people taking action and going to those pages, they're finding us as well. Not the CAMS IOS page, but the Could It Be HCM or Real Talk HCM. We're linked on those pages. I think we're actually on the CAMS IOS page too. Because HCMA is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, we don't endorse a product. We won't be directly involved with the CAMS IOS campaigns, but we have been working very closely with Bristol Myers Squibb to make sure that the messages are real messages and that they're real patients and real experiences. It's a blessing and a curse. What's the I, first part though? I, that part I don't, maybe I didn't get that. So what, what What's the downside to that kind of strategy in your view? I don't necessarily know that it's a downside. I just think some people are, they're hearing it, but they're not hearing it. They're hearing, but they're not listening because it's just another drug commercial. And we're all kind of tired of drug commercials because there's a lot of them. And it also kind of highlights the fact that there's real complexities in drug availability, in accessibility. We all know that these are expensive drugs that we're talking about. And there was just a hearing yesterday in Washington where the head of BMS and, and Merck and somebody else went to the Hill and testified about drug prices. And they were challenged yesterday by a few members. And one of the challenges was the system doesn't work. PBM reform is needed. Prices aren't really prices because they put a price because they know it's going to get discounted by upwards of 50 to 60 percent right off the bat. So a labeled price isn't really a price price. You got PBMs and you've got all of this nonsense that we need to clean it up. And they were challenged yesterday. Well, if it's not working the way it is, you guys are smart. Figure out another way. I think it highlights that innovation well, is critical. Well, just coming back to some, some simple concepts too. First, do you? Do you I'm, I'm not only the answer. I'm asking you what your view here, of course, is because I think sure. this is all new for all of us. But do you think that direct to consumer marketing in a kind of uncommon, somewhat complex, nuanced disease like hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, we'd all agree 
that that is fair to, to, to characterize it, particularly when you're talking about management of symptomatic obstructive HCM. Do you think that the direct to, to consumer marketing on a national level like that may have the uh, impact or effect of driving some patients in some way to getting treatments that you know maybe they just didn't need or or aren't as appropriate as they would have been otherwise? I mean, I guess that's one of the other concerns, I guess. Tricky questions. And I'm going to try to navigate it. And I, lo- I love the provocative conversation here. We need to let people become aware of HCM. We need to work with all of our partners to ensure that everybody is really doing the right work. Now, are some patients going to their community cardiologist and saying, somebody once told me I had HCM and I just saw a commercial and there's a new drug and I'd like it. And the community cardiologist is prescribing. I honestly think that could be very dangerous. And it could be dangerous for HCM because the wrong patients will get the wrong drugs because HCM is complicated. It is nuanced and not everybody's going to be the right candidate for a myosin inhibitor, but at least we're having the conversation. We need to help get them to expert care for consultation and make sure that their treatment is in line with their anatomy, their risk profile, and it's an opportunity to get in front of them. I do think that right now there's maybe a little bit of unbridled enthusiasm to jump right ahead to the most expensive and the newest. And some of our old school drugs are working really well. I had a great talk last night with the company that is now handling the U.S. distribution of name brand Topral XL. And we're in talks about how to get name brand high quality into the hands of patients around the country much easier. So that's a company called Melenta, and I'm looking forward to further conversations with them about how we can work on getting really great quality drug into the right people's hands, and it's a low-cost drug. So I think we have a big toolbox now, and it's getting bigger. We're going to probably have more commercials, and we're going to probably have more public outreach. And I think we're going to find more patients because not only are we doing more public outreach, you and I have been very involved for a long time behind the scenes doing healthcare provider education. And yay, we just got HCM Academy funded for another year, so we are going to be able to go out and do more professional education. That married with the commercials, married with the advocacy efforts of the HCMA and others, we're going to help patients get to the right care at the right time. If you told me 28 years ago that we'd be having this conversation today, I would have said only in our dreams would we have the problem of being on NFL commercials and whatever. It's a good problem to have. Okay. Yep. understand. Yeah. I hear you. What do you think the good sides and the bad sides are? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've really completely got my arms around it, I'll be honest with you, because I'm just not sure, you, you know, how to exactly unpack it in terms of the its its impact, you know, large impact um, in, 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 in our landscape here. I, I just, it's hard to know. You know, most of the commercials, you know, that we see are about drugs that are typically for diseases that are, you know, or situations that that are handled by by lots of you know, a very broad, you know, physician group. That that's generally the thing. I mean, I, I can't think of, for example, I don't, I can't, at least I can't think right now of an example of a of a very uncommon disease, a complex uncommon disease that has a commercial advertising a specific drug for it. CTR amyloid. There are some amyloid commercials. Okay, I haven't seen those. So I don't, that, yeah. that I haven't seen. So that's new to me. But so, so if that's true, that's another, potentially another example. I just think that there are, 
nuances here that go into these kind of direct to consumer marketing that may have differences depending on the situation. And I just think HCM is a different situation. That doesn't mean I'm not saying just because I'm not saying that the commercials are bad or wrong. I'm just not sure how I can assess at this point what kind of impact they will have in one direction or another at this point. We have seen them encourage people to get more information. Some of the metrics that we can look at internally, viewership of this podcast is up. Visits to our website are up. Visit to our Facebook and social medias are up. Right. We're in this landscape where there's a lot of different things going on and I can't target it to this is why and that's why. There's just a lot of activity. But there's also differences on the, just sorry, not to interrupt you, but there's also differences because you're making me think about this in terms of the commercials. I think you gave there's sort of three buckets that you just, yeah. but but one of them or two of them were not about a drug. They were just about the disease, you know, and kind of raising awareness about what symptoms may be associated with this disease. And if you've got these symptoms and whatever the commercial is that you should seek help to determine if it could be HCM. That's different than marketing a drug for the disease, right? I mean, that's a different level of messaging. It's a, it's a non-branded commercial, right. which is more informative. Right. I do like that approach better. You know, we're going to have a, hopefully another myosin inhibitor to market soon, and they're going to fight it out for market share. That's just the way this is going to go. Whether we want it or not want it, it's just going to happen because that's the way this world evolves. To compete one brand over another, I think that's a little silly. It's what's the right drug for the right patient at the right time. Things will evolve and we yeah. may find a different one that works even better than the ones that are in development right now. So we just keep moving forward and educating people about the disease, educating healthcare providers how to diagnose us and looking for unique and alternative ways to help ease the burden of access to care. And we're working on a couple of projects that are behind the veil right now, but as they become more focused, we'll bring them to the attention of the community. But there's a lot that can be done to improve access to care. And there's a lot of things that we can do on the regulatory and the legislative pathways that really do help us develop a different framework of conversation. Let's take not one step back. Let's take 10 steps back for a second. I have been doing a lot of research lately about access to care, cost of access or lack of access to care. Back in October of 21, the U.S. Government Accountability Office, the people who tell us how much money things are costing our society, created a report on rare diseases. And we don't think of HCM as rare, rare there's some ultra rares, you know, one in a million, one in a hundred thousand. One in 250 doesn't sound rare, but considering we have less than 200,000 people diagnosed, we are definitely a rare disease by genetic mutations. Right now in the United States, $966 billion are being spent on rare diseases in medical costs and in delayed a diagnosis and inappropriate treatments and loss of work and loss of functionality and a lot of other things are considered into that number. We could bring down those costs by asking the right questions to the right patients at the right time to not only find out what heart disease they think they have, but to even get precise with that genetic testing to know which bucket they fall in, because you know and I know an HCM can look like an amyloidosis or a Fabry's disease or some of these other ultra rares that are really expensive. 
to mistreat and expensive to treat. So we want to make sure that we're getting to the right people at the right time. And it's critically important that we work with our legislative bodies and our regulatory language to help us get to those moments because the government guides how we ask certain questions. And in New Jersey, we are doing a screening of well child exams, asking heart health history questions. And we hope to do that for the older population. So we're bookending it for the young and the old, and then we'll get the, the parents in the middle. And we need awareness. So we start with awareness resolutions and proclamations. And I am happy to announce today that we have the following states with perpetual. So every year they recognize HCM Awareness Day as the last Wednesday of February in Wisconsin. Oh my goodness, IA, Iowa, Illinois, Nevada, Ohio, Indiana. I was a state Iowa we had last year. We don't have it this year yet. So it's Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, Nevada, Ohio, Arizona, California, Kentucky. Utah and Oregon and Oregon just came in yesterday. So thanks to Ahmad Masri who did testimony with me earlier this week. And for 2024, we have New Mexico, Maine, Virginia, Texas, and Washington, DC. We are going out to the state houses and saying we're important. Now we can go back to those state houses and say, here's the HCM Act. Let's move that. Let's ask the right questions. Let's get these people into care. So it's, it's a strategic plan. We have to get the states and then we have to get the federal government to help us as well. It's not going to be boring. It's going to be a long haul and we're going to need a lot of help. So by getting our federal and our state legislative bodies to get involved and help us, we might find other pathways to additional funding mechanisms to do research, to get patients to care. We have a long way to go and a short time to get there because patients can't wait. Let's do Alaska. Hey, Sammy, how you doing? Um, so yeah, let's do Alaska. Yeah, Take let's, let's do Alaska. I'll help with that. Yeah, well, well, we're we're hoping we're hoping to get out there later on this year for a site visit somewhere. Yeah, the, the yeah, I mean, absolutely. They were. Uh, I think I think if it's the same group was a major contributor to some of the uh, Afi Campton studies. So they are not only taking great care of the patients, but they're also involved in clinical research. We like the way they're thinking out there. So um, we hope to get that application completed soon and help guide more patients to that particular center. Yeah, Sammy, I'll come out in July or August. Just let me know. (laughs) July or August. We're not coming in February or December. Jan, happy to have you on the team. We we love your energy. We love your help. I'm in the middle of reading your book right now. We, we need to have another conversation. And Marty, you need to meet Jan. She's a powerhouse. She's good people. Hello from Maryland. So hi, Maryland. It's been a busy month. We both have very busy days ahead of us. So we're going to keep this podcast a little bit on the shorter side. But I want to let everybody know about some new things they're going to see coming, including you, Marty. We have a new AI tool that's going to help us take some of these webinars, podcasts, and other online content and break them into smaller snippets. So you're going to see like little sessions dropped in and linking you back to the rest of our podcast or webinars. And you're going to start seeing those today. And all month long, you've been seeing our warriors of the day and we honor and we celebrate all of them and we thank them for sharing their story. It's kind of hard to go public with your medical story sometimes. And uh, we really appreciate 
all of those families who are sharing their story and sharing their loved one's history and, and memory with us. On February 28th, we will be doing a evening webinar for our patients in our community. What I'm kind of referring to as the State of the Union of the HCMA. So I will give you some high-level information. Marty, I was going to ask you to join us. So we'll talk about that a little bit later for a 2024 HCM clinical review. And then we have our ambassadors and our legislative events. And we're going to be talking about all of this on February 28th. And during the day on February 28th, we will be doing state legislative briefings starting at 10 in the morning, running through to the afternoon, and we'll be hitting six states with legislative briefings. And we're really excited about that because we're starting to get traction on the HCM Act. We have a bill in Ohio. We're working on one in Michigan. And as we move these bills forward, we're going to be able to do better surveillance in all of these states on, on families with Heart disease. Marty, any final thoughts for the end of our podcast during Heart Month? Uh, there's a lot going on. It's pretty, it's a, just amazing. We got all those things going on and primetime commercials for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy now. So we're, we're, on a, we're, we're, we're running on a whole other level than we were before. It's just incredible to see. I do have a programming, but earlier this year, beginning of January, we okay. issued a survey for participation in the Odyssey trial from BMS. Effective earlier this week, I think it was two days ago, they have stopped bringing in new patients because they have enough pipelined in the screening process. If you have responded to the survey, there will be another opportunity for another clinical trial of a myosin inhibitor from a different sponsor. So if you answered the one survey and you were not placed in a study, there may be another opportunity coming up. We'll be communicating with you all. I am super impressed with this community and how willing they are to participate in research. When we finally got the go-ahead to open up our method of clinical trial recruitment, we had over 150 people in three weeks say, I want in. That is unheard of for clinical trial recruitment. 150 people in a very short period of time saying, I want in. Amazing. Don't be disappointed if you didn't get there. There's another chance coming with another manufacturer, another sponsor. Stay tuned for more information on that. Super proud of the community for stepping up because it's going to take all of us. If you are still interested in the myosin binding protein C studies that are coming up for gene therapy, you can contact us and we can put you in touch with the providers there. Need to give a big shout out to all of our sponsors and thank them for their support of this podcast and other efforts of the HCMA. And those sponsors do include Bristol Myers Squibb, Cytokinetics, Tenaya Therapeutics, BioMarin, Edgewise, and we'll put them all at the end of the podcast in post-editing. So thanks to all of our sponsors and to our HCM Center of Excellence partners. We couldn't do any of this without you. We know you're all really busy, but it is my job to keep you really busy. Sorry. That's right. All right. And that you are doing. I'm Good trying. Good to up today and look forward to the next one soon. Thank you all so much for coming today and catch us next time on Tales from the Heart, a podcast from the HCMA. 